If you will, go ahead and open your Bibles back up to Luke chapter 14, where Avery read for us just a minute ago. Now, I know that there were some of you sitting there thinking when Avery read that, wait, he forgot that Richard preached from there like a month ago. And if you weren't thinking that, then that's why I'm doing it. I'm just going to preach the same sermon because you don't remember. Any no, I'm just kidding. This is Luke chapter 14, where Jesus is teaching. He's at the home of a Pharisee and he's teaching using this illustration throughout this chapter of uh, a great banquet. In the first part of the chapter, he's talking about this idea that, that you ought to invite everybody. And he's telling these, these Pharisees in this message, he's saying, you ought to take the lowly positions. You guys always fight for the best spots. He says, what, what you ought to be doing is, is taking the lowlier position. And then in verse 15, one of the guys, it seems like one of the guests there at the, at the, uh, at the dinner kind of gets into it. And he, he's kind of all into what Jesus is saying. And in chapter 14, Verse 15, this guy kind of gets ramped up and he says, one of the servants reclined at the table with him heard these things. He, one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things and he said to him, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. He's all excited. He's, like, he's talking about us. And then Jesus goes on to give the parable that we call the parable of the great banquet. In verse, as he continues on there, in verse 16, Jesus, Jesus said, then he told the man, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come, because everything now is ready. And we know what happened there with the parable. Often when we look at this parable, what we do is we look at, as Richard did a month ago, Look at those who made the excuses, who said, well, I can't come for this. Or I can't come for this reason. And, and, and we, we talked about how, how sometimes those excuses are just good things, but they're things that get in the way of our relationship with God and how that can't happen for us. Other times we talk about this parable and, and we'll talk about the master who, who extends the invitation and extends the invitation and, and says, go get everybody you can and, 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 and make, this, make this invitation known. And it's a great picture of the grace and the patience like Joel just talked about, the patience of God, how God continues to extend this invitation. But I want us this morning to focus instead on the other character within this parable. I want us to focus on the servant for a few minutes this morning. As I believe as we examine this ser servant and look at his situation and look at what he does, I think we can make some unmistakable, some unmissable parallels to our own lives. The song we sang first this morning is number 737 in our book, Seeking the Lost. William Ogden wrote this song in 1886. This is one of those old songs that if you, if you grew up in the church, you've probably heard this song a hundred times, if not more. You probably sang this song a thousand times. But listen to the message of this song. Seeking the lost, yes, kindly entreating wanderers on the mountain astray. Come unto me, his message, repeating, words of the master speaking today. Seeking the lost and pointing to Jesus, souls that are weak and hearts that are sore. Leading them forth in ways of salvation, showing the path to life evermore. Thus, I would go on missions of mercy, following Christ from day unto day, cheering the faint 
and raising the fallen, pointing the lost to Jesus the way, going afar on the mountain, bringing the wanderers back again into the fold of my Redeemer, Jesus the Lamb for sinners slain. What a great message. What a challenge that song. That's one of those songs that when you sing that song, you need to be thinking about what that song says. Because if you can't, I won't even say that. You need to be thinking about what that song says. Because you're, you're agreeing to something in that song. And what it is that you're agreeing to is what I want us to talk about this morning. We need to remember that we're sent. That we are sent into the world to change the world. That we're sent on a mission. We need to remember that our call as Christians is a call to battle. As another great old hymn, the lyrics of this song charge us in this way. Onward Christian soldiers marching on to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Now listen, I will never minimize attendance. I'll never say it's not important for you to be here. I believe it's incredibly important for you. to. I think it's important for you to be here every single opportunity you can because it's good for you and it's good for me for you to be here. But we need to go beyond that. We need to remember that we're made for a mission. And our mission is not to make it to a comfy building for an hour or so a week. Let me say that again. Our mission is not to get here. Sometimes that feels like it. Like our mission, I made it to church, I'm good. That is not our mission. That's a part of it. But our mission is so much greater. Our mission involves work outside. It involves work inside. To live, to live on mission. As we look at this this servant this morning, I hope that we'll see that we're made for mission. I, I, I hope that we'll see from this, from this servant, from the, 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 the subtle things that we can read that, that happens with this servant, that, that we can see that God calls us to something amazing, that God calls us to something great. And it should just be who we are. It should just be part of our nature. And that part of that nature should compel us just to keep trying and to try different ways and to do different things. And to remember that through it all, that we're all, that we're all trying this together. Us, with God, with, with Jesus, His Son, right there with us. My prayer is that we will always have, that we will never lose the zeal to share the message of the love of Jesus. That we'll always find ways to do that. Sometimes that's to those outside these walls. Sometimes it's to the person sitting next to you in the pew. So let's look for just a few minutes here at this, at this servant. Look at this familiar parable. And let's look at verse 17. Step one, first thing we see is that we, again, let me go back to this word, we are sent. Verse 17 just simply says, Where is, oh, there it is. At that time, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant. Step one is you got to send somebody out. Now, we, we can make all sorts of parallels. We can read all sorts of commentaries about who, these, who this servant represents. It, some say it's the prophets. Some say it's Jesus. 
what it is, it, it is one sent by the master to go make this call to people, to go tell people that it is time to come. Now, let's think about this idea of being sent. Now, we understand. I mean, we, we totally grasp the idea of Jesus as one who is sent. In John 4, 34, he's at the well. He's telling his followers, he says, my food, they're, they're telling him they need to go get some food. He says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. In John chapter four, verse, or chapters 4 through 8, Jesus mentions being sent 14 times. That's just who he is. That is, that is essential to Jesus' character. Paul writes about it in Romans 8 verse 3 where he says that God sent his son in the form of human flesh. Being sent by God is foundational to who Jesus is. And, and, and I, I think we get that. I mean, we talk about that around, you know, we talk about that around the birth of Jesus and that, you know, he was sent from God. And when we understand all that. But what we also have to see is this idea of being sent just permeates the New Testament. In Acts, we see Ananias is sent to Paul to restore his sight, to, to, to teach him what, or to tell him what he needs to do. We see the apostles being, that Paul and Barnabas are sent out in Acts chapter 13 from the church there in Antioch. Paul writes to Timothy and to Titus and he tells them that they're sent. They're, they're being sent is this idea that they have a message and a mission that they need to share. The idea of being sent, when we think of Jesus saying, the Father sent me, that, that's, that should be no surprise to anybody because that is just who He is. That is core to His message. To those who follow Him, it should be core to who we are. Jesus is, is the model of what it means to be sent. But we also know that Jesus is a sender. We know that after Jesus' crucifixion, in, at the end of the gospel accounts, and then at the beginning of the book of Acts, we know that Jesus, after His resurrection, He spent time with His apostles. Spent 40 days with them, it says, teaching them all things that pertain to the kingdom of heaven. And then before he ascends back to heaven, we have the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where Jesus says, go into all the world and do what? He says, I'm sending you into all the world and I'm telling you, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make more of you. You're going to make more disciples. Here's how you do it. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then here's what you're going to do. You're going to teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, which is this, what I just said, that you need to get used to the idea of being sent. See, Jesus' sending didn't stop right there. It doesn't stop with those apostles. Because what they do is they pass that on to us throughout their writings. So as followers of Jesus, we are sent on a mission. Our only question is where and to whom. And we'll get there in a minute. So the, the, the concept of being sent is essential to who we are. And God... God has a kingdom mission and he entrusts that mission to us. He entrusts that mission to the church. He entrusts that mission to individual Christians. And it is just a fact 
that if you're in Christ, you are on mission. See, well, the way, way we think of it is, is, you know, we as Christians, we have a mission. That's not how we should think about it. The fact is the mission has a church. The mission is already there. The mission existed before we did. The, the mission to, to share the message of who God is and the love of Jesus has always been there. Now God has us to do it. God has us to take this message to the people around us. Some people are sent into other cultures. That's, that, that's how we think of traditional missionaries, right? But we also have to remember that we as individual Christians living in Meridian, Idaho, have to be mission-minded about the guy next door, about the guy in the next office, the person in the next desk. So when we see our, <clears throat> our servant He's immediately sent out. And we know what happens. We know he's sent out and the master sends him, says, go do this. And then he comes back while he's out. What happens? He gets those excuses, right? We're not going to look at those excuses. We've covered that. But then look what happens in verse 21. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind and lame and look what happens in verse 22. Master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. <clears throat> and there's still room. We see this servant is on it. This servant is already doing the work the master has in mind to do. Why is that? Because the servant, the servant knows his master. It is in his nature to serve his master. He's already done this. He's, he's way ahead of the master. He knows that he's going to be sent. Why does the master know that he can send him this way? Why does he know that, that he can say, okay, do this, go do this next step? Because he knows the master. It is in, or he knows the servant. It is in the servant's nature to do what the master says. And this servant, he's on the ball. He's, he's ahead of the game. Master says, go do this, this, and this. He goes, I've already done that. There's still room. See, we're sent because we have the nature of God. Our, our defining identity is found in the nature of God. That's what God said at creation. He said, I'm going to create them in, in our image. And part of that image is living as one who sins. And then is, we see reflected in Jesus as living as one who is sent. <clears throat> when we look at the way God has worked with creation, with humanity. We see that this idea of sending is, is just as essential to who God is as is his forgiveness and is his love and his mercy and his grace and his justice. He is a sender. That's what God does. You, you go back to Genesis chapter 3. Now, this is, this is a punishment, kind of, but he sends Adam and Eve out of the garden. But it says that he sent them out so they go, they go work the land. They're, go, they're to go populate the earth. Genesis chapter 12, or G Genesis chapter 6, he sends Noah on a, on a cruise. You know, he tells Noah, go, go build this big box and get in it with animals. And he sends him out and saves the world. Genesis chapter 12, he sends Abraham to a place he doesn't even know about. But God sends him. <clears throat> and you, you move forward and God sends Moses into Egypt 
First, God sends Joshua or Joseph into Egypt. Then God sends Moses back to Egypt years later. God sends Joshua into the promised land. God sends prophets to redeem, to win back his people. God is one who sins. So it should come as no surprise to us that God has expectations of us as his people to live as sent people. That's what he does. That's how he works with his people. <clears throat> we see also, when you get right down to it, that the Father sent the Son. And the Son says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then the three together in indivisible unity send us. It says, go into all the world. That's, that, that is such a great charge. If that doesn't excite you, then I'm saying this poorly. <laughs> because that is, that is so amazing that God says, I am sending you people. Jesus says in John 20 and verse 21, says, as the Father has sent me, so I also send you. Yes, he's talking to his apostles right there. But again... Think of what he said. Go teach them everything that I've taught you. God's people, followers of Jesus, are sent. <clears throat> when we think about this, this servant, he, uh, he's, he's ready, right? I mean, the, the, the master says, go and do this. Go, to the, go get these people, the poor and the land. And the servant says, I've done that already. So the master goes, okay, well, I guess we've done all we can do. No, that's not what he says. Look at verse 22. Verse tw or, yeah, verse 22 is what you ordered has been done, and there's still room. Verse 23, then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. When the servant being, being a good servant, knowing the nature of his master, knowing that this is just who he is, he's already done a great deal of it. But then the master says, okay, let's try something else. Okay, we've gone and got those people. Who else could there be? What other ways could we go get people? In other words, what he's telling this, this servant is we're going to try all avenues possible. We're going to do whatever we can to get this message to people. We're going to do whatever we can to let people know that Jesus has a relationship that he's offering to them. That Jesus has hope. Jesus is that balm that is in Gilead. That's the, and, and, and God says through this, through this parable, the master says we're going to try everything we can to go get those people. And that's, that's key, is that this idea is... Not just to invite and say, hey, come on, come to church with us. That's kind of what we're saying here. But it's this idea of go get those people. It's to live sent. <clears throat> that means that we move outside of these walls. It means that we move outside of our homes. And we, and we get involved in the world around us. But that also means that we have to move in here sometimes. 
It also means that we have to get involved in each other's lives here. This sentness. You see, that, the, the, the question is not, do we have a mission? The question is not, do we, are, are we supposed to be doing? I, I hope you've seen already. Yeah, that, that's who we are. The question is, are we living out this mission? Are we, are we aligning our life to this call to live as mission-minded people? <clears throat> how, how do we know if we're doing that? How, how, how can we measure or what, 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 what can we say to, or what, what can we say is here's, here's what we do to live on mission? Well, let me just suggest three ideas for you. Number one, we have to engage the culture. We have to be a part of the world around us. Now, I say that, and I'll tell you incredibly honestly, that's hard for me. I, I, I work right over there. This is where I come to work. I mean, isn't that weird to you, probably? <laughs> you probably go, no, nah, never mind. But yeah, I mean, it, it, so I'm not in culture very much. I, I have to really try. But we have got to be people who engage culture. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, as he's quoting from Isaiah 61, he says, I've, I've come to, to heal the hurting. I've come to, to, to take care of the poor and the brokenhearted. That means he had to be involved with those people. And we see that all through his ministry. Luke 19.10, Jesus came, says, I came to seek and to save the lost. And where is he when he says that? He's at the home of Zacchaeus, this terrible guy. But he's engaged in culture. Christianity is not a monastic lifestyle. And man, it's easy. It's easy to want to be that. And like I said, I'm, I'm guilty of that. It's easy to just say, I don't want to mess with those people. I don't want to get involved with culture. And you've got to have a balance. I mean, you, you can't get so absorbed in culture that it's all you think about. But we have to be people who engage with our culture. It means we have to figure out ways to help the hurting. That means we have to figure out intentional ways to help the poor and those who are less fortunate. And, and, and that's, that's so cliche preacher talk, but we have to do that. We have to figure out ways to help the poor and those who need our help. We also, and this is very similar to this, but that means we have to inhabit the culture. Engaging the culture means we, we actually talk to people, that we, we get involved in people's lives. Inhabit the culture means that we live in it. And, and I know we do that, but that means that, that we have to be a part of people's lives. Jesus was, was a thoroughly Jewish first century man who dealt with friends and enemies. He dealt with good people and bad people. He dealt with priests and he dealt with prostitutes and he never sinned. Now, what that means is that we have to be people who are willing to be places, to be involved with people that might seem challenging. Now, listen, here's the thing, though is that Jesus never got involved in those situations or with those people to blend in or to act like those people. That was never his goal. He was always on mission. So I'm not saying that, that you can use the excuse, well, Jesus ate with sinners, so you can go to the bars and hang out. That's not what I'm saying. 
What, what Jesus does is he engages in mission wherever he is, wherever he's called to be. That means what we can do is that we can engage the greedy without becoming greedy. That we can engage the haters without being hateful. That we can communicate and we can have conversations with the prideful and the arrogant without being prideful and arrogant ourselves. We have to be involved in the world around us. When we understand there's, 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 there's struggles out there. But listen, we cannot let the existence of temptation inhibit us from, from sharing the message. You, I mean, you have to understand yourself. You have to know what your temptations are. That's Galatians 6, 1 and 2, right? Go help that person, but don't let yourself be tempted. Know your limits. But don't say, I can't talk to that person across the street because they're such and such belief and I don't want to be tempted by what they... It means you have to be ready to engage that person. And the third thing that we can do is we need to spread seeds in our culture. Just scatter seeds. This, this honestly is the easiest part of it. This is, this is what we do a lot of here. Now... <clears throat> What we also have to do is we have to trust that those seeds will eventually land somewhere. That, that, that those, those seeds will become implanted somewhere. We may not ever see it, but we have to scatter seeds. We have to do whatever we can to get this message out, to get this message in front of people, which necessitates us being involved. It means we have to be involved in our culture. We're called to be salt and light. That, that requires of us presence and proclamation. We have to engage. So how can you do that here? Here's, here's, the, here's the take home for the day, okay? How can you as a member at Linder Road be involved in living on mission? In understanding that you're made for mission. And not just being somebody who your mission is to show up and sit in a pew. How can you get in the mission? Well, let's, let's start with what may be in some ways easier, some ways more challenging. But let, let's start by thinking about the mission by looking inward for just a minute. Because see, what we have to understand is that sometimes those, those souls who are weak and those hearts that are sore are the person down the pew from you. Sometimes the faint and the fallen are those people who used to be here and for some reason have checked out. We have to be people who are willing to look, not, not just across the world or across the street, but down the pew and see, that person looks like they're hurting. How can I help? What, what can I do to help them in their mission? Let me give you some suggestions of some easy things that you can do. At the end of this month is our men's retreat. We're going to go up to Trinity Pines for overnight, just a few hours. This is so encouraging. This is so Take this time, men, to come encourage your brothers. You may, you may be the guy going, I don't need those men's retreats. It's, who I'm not asking if you, how about I need you there? How about there may be a brother who just would love to have a chance to talk to you and, and it can't do it here? Use this as an opportunity to see this, not just as a good getaway where you have some good pies and good discussion, but this is a time that you can encourage each other in our mission. We have care groups that, are, that have just restarted this year. We have a, a, a different approach to care groups. If, if you need a group, come and see me. 
But this is a way that, that we can get in each other's lives a little bit more. And again, this is one of those things where people say, I don't need to be in a care group. Well, maybe somebody needs you in their care group. Maybe somebody is dying to get to know you better. Maybe somebody could just use your encouragement. So find, find a care group to be in. There's five different types. I won't go into all that. Come and see me. We'll talk about that more. But there are, in fact, we have one specific care group. And this is, this is a new thing for us. But this is a restoration group. That our objective, and I don't know how we're going to do it yet. We've met one time. We're going to keep meeting to kind of figure out how we're going to approach this. But our objective is going to be to reach out to people who used to be here. Who used to be the person sitting next to you in the pew and now we don't know where they are or what happened or why they're not here. And we're going to figure out a way to reach out to those people because those are the faint and the fallen. Those are the hearts that are sore. And we got, that's part of our mission is to help each other to get better. And then we think of the more, I guess, more traditional way to think about mission is reaching out. How, how can we reach out? Well, coming up in just a few, about a month, just a little over a month, April 9th, we're going to do a giveaway. This is a way that you can help those people who are in need. We just set up, for those of you who don't know, we just set up, basically it looks like a store and it looks like a thrift store that we set up in the, in the fellowship hall for one day. And people come from all over the, this area and we just give them stuff. So don't, don't bring junk that you don't know what to do with. Bring the stuff that you're just done with. Bring some stuff that's good stuff. And we'll put it in here. And I'm telling you, it, it's amazing the, how many people know about this, how many people come, come participate in this. So you, you can bring your stuff just to give away to help people. Or you could also come up here and engage. That's that idea of engaging culture. Just come talk to people. Just, come t- just tell people, I'm one of the, I, I go to church here. How are you? What are you doing? Do you know anything? What do you, you want to know anything about Jesus? Engage the culture. That's that's a that's an easy opportunity. Don't bring your stuff for a while, though. That's what that says. Then June 12th, we're going to have a picnic and a singing at, at Kleiner Park on a Sunday afternoon. That's going to be our Sunday night service. That, that, that's a great chance to just expose who we are to the community. But that means you're going to need to engage people. That means you're going to have to talk to those people who walk up and go, who are these people singing in the amphitheater thing? That means you're going to have to talk to them, engage as we inhabit that park, that that culture in the park. We engage those people. That's an easy thing to do because there'll be a bunch of us there together. You think you think the 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 another idea of reaching out Guatemala trip. It's not too late if you want to think about the Guatemala trip. If you want to think about helping somebody go on the Guatemala trip, come see me. Talk to me. Talk to Art. This is a way that we go reach out to another country. It's an incredible work. But that's another way that you can reach out. Right out here on this table out here, that yellow rolly thing, kiosk. I can't remember what it's called. There's, there's that, this thing, of car. I took this picture with my phone, obviously. But that, that's sitting right, pick up some cards. Leave them at the restaurant when you eat. Hand them to a friend. Let me emphasize these right here. These World Bible School cards. Man, I, 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 could, I could go on forever about World Bible School. This is, this is planting seeds, but we're seeing growth. We're, we're seeing people come to Christ because of World Bible School. If, if you want to know about how to be involved with World Bible School, come see me. Come see about a half a dozen other people. Dave Rich, Dave will talk to you about World Bible School. Larry will talk to you about it's a way that you can get involved. You can teach people about Jesus sitting, in your compu- sitting in front, at home in front of your computer. That sounds like 2020, doesn't it? But, but, but it, it's easy. And it's, it's a way that you, can, that you can be on mission 
Think about social media. Those are, that's, that, that's how you can follow us on social media. But Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you do, share some stuff. Now, listen, I know there are those of you sitting out there right now thinking, I hate that stuff. I, I don't even know how to use Facebook. Well, figure it out. I'm, I'm serious. I, if, if you hate it, hate it. I get it. It's a garbagey thing sometimes. But I'm not telling you to share pictures of your kids and your lunch and your shoes. That's, that's not what I'm talking Share the message of Jesus. And you can share it to hundreds of people at once. Share a verse. Share a, I mean, you can go online, you can search any verse in the world and get an image and share it to Facebook. Share it to Instagram. Scattering seeds. Because that's our mission. Now, I'll talk to you about one more really fast. Well, we also have a care group, a, a care group who's, that's our goal is to figure out outreach plans. But one more in particular is camp. We have a summer full of camps coming up. There are some amazing things happening with Camp Ivydale. But I want to talk to you specifically about... <laughs> this one. <laughs> I want to talk to you about teen camp. Preteen camp is great. A lot of you are involved with preteen camp, <clears throat> young adult camp, etc. I know it. Teen camp, I'm one of the directors. And we, I, Karen and I have been involved with teen camp for a long time. I'll tell you this right now. Teenagers, you guys who go, we want you to go. That's understood. But we need adults. We need grown-ups. We need faithful Christians to come be on staff at camp. I, I know it's a week's vacation. I, I know that. And it is as far from vacation as sometimes the mind can imagine but man, it's worth it. Because I'll tell you what happens. Culture comes to you. And you have them trapped. Because we don't let them leave. <laughs> but th think about it. If, 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 you, if, you would, if you'd be interested in being a counselor, if you want to do half the week, if you want to do a few, whatever, come talk to me. Because this is a great way to engage on our mission. We are people who are made for mission. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe when I started this, you were thinking, oh, great, this is going to be a go sit down and do Bible studies with people. And that's, that's an option. Do that. But there are so many other ways that you can engage in this mission that is just who we are. It's because God is who he is. He is a sender and he has sent us on a mission. You know, we... we we should just revel in that, in that invitation that Jesus invites us to work with him. We, we ought to be thrilled to death about that. You know, Richard did a great job a month ago talking about those excuses. People said, no, I just can't do it for whatever reason. Not from us. Okay, not us. Let's not be the excuse people. Let's be the people who say, I want to be in that mission. Let's be the people who say, I'm going to join in this. In, in Onward Christian Soldiers, the third verse of that says, Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body we. One in hope, one in doctrine, one in charity. We're in this together. Don't go to High School Musical, but we're all in this together. Sorry, don't go there. 
This is who we are, though. We are made to do this together. But even more than that, wait, there's more. We're not, it's not just us. Jesus himself tells us before he goes back to heaven that he is with us always in this mission. We are sent on a mission with the sender. That's who we are. We are people made for this mission that God sets. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a, a person of purpose? A person who says, this is who God has created me to be. Jesus was sent here to enable me to be sent out into the world. And maybe that, that world is, is the, your extended family, but you're sent to those people. We're sent. Maybe you're at a point in life this morning where you, you don't know what any of this is about. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're new to all of this. Maybe you want to know more about what it means to become sent. We're going to stand in a minute. We're going to sing a song of invitation. You come up here and we'll, we'll talk to you about what it means to get in this mission. But Christian, let me talk to you for a second. Maybe you've checked out of the mission. Maybe you've made your mission just showing up here. I'll tell you what, for the last two years, that's, that's, been, that's been a mission sometime. It's just being able to get here, right? But let's move forward. Maybe you're ready to really jump back in and you want, you want our help. You want to pray about it together. Let's join in this mission together. Whatever we can do to help you, let us know while we stand together and sing.